You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here at webmasterradio.fm. It's the 29th of January, 2015. This is a live show. Um, first off, all apologies for last week. A vicious and rotten flu bug has been sweeping across North America, and it was South Florida's turn to get it. Our, uh, well, our, our entire studio was down with the flu last week. So again, all apologies. Um, sickness Very sucks. sorry. Everyone's better. Uh, most importantly, Brasco... Um, our uh, engineer, producer, uh, extraordinaire, back in the saddle again. Um, and are you up for a Webby this year, Brasco? No, but I'd like to be up for a podcast award. At least, you know, one of our shows get that. Just Okay, that kind well, of okay, there, there we are, folks. If Brasco is up, he should be up for a Webby. If he isn't, he may be up for a podcast award in the near future. This guy puts in the hours. Last week, he, he actually... He was actually asking us if we wanted to do a show when he was really sick. Um, so if you ever see an, uh, a request to vote for Brasco for a podcaster award or for a Webby, I urge you, vote for the dude. Vote early, uh, vote often. Yeah, vote early, vote often. So we've been away for two weeks, and as it happens, uh, Dave and I have both been incredibly busy over the last two weeks. Um <laughs> Word is going to kind of wing it through the show. I did have, I was trying to get a guest on the show. He wasn't able to make it. We're going to try to get him on for next week, and I'll announce his name when he's actually like confirmed, confirmed, and everything. Um, but you know, a good place to start is where I really wanted to start with 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 this guest. Um, it was last Thursday. These things always happen on a Thursday, usually just after we get off the air. <laughs> Microsoft made a made this just the most uh, or concluded the most spectacular week of announcements it's made in years. Um, the Windows Ten conference. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Eh, like Windows Ten is going to be basically a operating system brought from the clouds. Yeah, um, 
You know, obviously, and, and we're actually going to be touching on some things a little later in the show that make me concerned mm-hmm. uh, about that. I mean, I, I, I haven't made any secret, you know, through through my entire, <laughs> you know, our entire radio time together uh, about the fact that the cloud is awesome for certain things. I don't want it storing my stuff, um, you know, within within reason, of course. But um, yeah, I, I'm not a not a huge, huge fan of the move. I understand why it's being made. I understand the perks to it. Um, and like everybody else, I'll probably end up resisting it for a chunk of time and then finally going, oh, the conveniences outweigh the things I don't like. <laughs> um, and converting over for, for certain things. But there, there are definitely elements that I am not a huge fan of. Uh, but I'm sure Microsoft is aware of them. I haven't had a chance to play with the the beta of Windows 10 yet. It is on my to-do list. Uh, mm-hmm. Hopefully I get it to that portion of my to-do list before before it actually launches. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, as long as they can keep things intact, as long as they can keep things um, in a situation where my stuff is mine, not in the cloud, like I, you know, nothing's going to stop me from having a hard drive, but I don't want it feeding what's on my hard drive out to that cloud. Um, and, you know, okay, as, as but, long as those are in place, I'm fine. In defense of Microsoft and their cloud plans, you got, one of the ways I've been looking at Windows 10 is, like, Windows 10 is the, for Microsoft, the Windows of everything. It will sync your, uh, your Windows phone with your hard drive, with your laptop, with your tablet. And I understand they've incorporated uh, support for the Xbox. So any of your digital creations, be they the avatar that you use in some smash em up game or uh, the work that you do on your on your laptop or desktop that's you know all synced in the same area I mean, that's that's kind of cool I, I do think that's a great thing I mean obviously anybody who's ever had a hard drive failure and no backups <laughs> well, is also yeah. probably looking at that and going okay that's awesome well, they should also be looking in the mirror and shaking their heads for failing computing 101, right? <laughs> well, well, there is there is that side of things. It's called RAID 5, folks. It's not that expensive anymore. Um, but, I mean, you know, the, that as an aside, I do see some great advantages. And as long as you can do that, you know, I mean, I have my home computer. I have my work computer. Um, of course, there's some overlap and stuff I have. But if we can take this one step further, and again, I haven't had a chance to play with it, so this may actually be in there. Um, if I can have different profiles... And correct me if you if you know that this is already in there. I think that would be a, a big leap. I would find it really difficult right now to sit down on my laptop at home and be provided, you know, or, or have Microsoft trying to provide me the same interface I do at my office with six monitors, right? Like, well, five right now because one of my monitors died, but it's okay. I, I'm getting over it. Um, I, I, I saw that on Facebook, and I actually I felt for you for a half second. It's a lonely, lonely right monitor. Um, but, you know, I mean, if they're trying to accomplish that, that's not going to work. But, yeah, if you could log in and go, which of you is this business home? Lot? You know, if I can choose my profile and it's just carrying over the data, like I can select which data it's sharing across um, and which desktops it's sharing and, and icons. And stuff, I do think that'd be a, an outstanding jump. Um, so so there is that side of things. It, it, it could be a big leap. I have security concerns. Well, from where I'm sitting, that was the cool stuff. Now there's the stuff that I'm kind of dubious about. And, you know, you're, Dave, you're dubious about cloud storage and reliance and, and um, having your information basically, you know, available to the, uh, whoever is looking in that area in the cloud, right? Uh-huh. Um, mine is, I believe when I buy a product, like a pair of shoes, that pair of shoes ought to last me a couple of years. Okay. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Not too much to expect. No. Um, if I wear a jacket, I want that jacket to last a little while. And I want to be able to use that jacket year after year after year until such time as I'm done using said jacket. Microsoft's um, Windows 10 and Microsoft's other uh, cloud strategy, uh, Office 365, this is they're offering subs- uh, software by subscription service to their users, which means that that really nice comfy jacket I have may not be available to me next year, even though I purchased it this year. Um, I think I'm using Office Sierra 2008, but the, the, the Office Productivity Suite, you know, it's, it's got Word, it's got uh, uh, PowerPoint and uh, Excel and all the stuff I need to do my business and do lectures, etc. right? Right. Should I have to replace that in 2016 just because it's eight years old? I mean, it works absolutely fine for me. Right. I paid a pretty penny for it, when I bought the software package. Actually, I didn't. Microsoft gave it to me, but that's a, that's a, different, <laughs> that's a different thing altogether. Um, I earned it. Um, and uh, I, 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 like, I, just, I just don't think that's... I think I'm not sure I'm feeling comfortable with the idea that to continue using a productivity suite that was available as long as, you know, as, long as you purchased it, you could use it as long as you wanted to, now it's on a subscription basis. You don't have the availability um, of, of buying it one year and then surfing with the same package as long as it continues working. That, I think, is a little underhanded. This is, Microsoft's going to make a hell of a lot more money off of <laughs> software by offering it a subscription than by selling it. Oh, most certainly. And I mean, as I'm sure you know, well, I, I know you know, uh, Adobe has done the same thing. Um, and at the same time, you know, I, I go, oh, that's a that's a cash grab. And it's funny, I, I kind of pick on one of my friends. As you know, I, I game on Friday nights and, and one of the, my old high school friends that I game with now works with for Adobe. Um, and of course, I had to pick on him when they moved to this model. I'm like, you know, this is a bit of a cash grab. Um, he made the, the right point. He's like, well, which which version do you use? Um, of our of our productivity suites, and I'm like, well, at the office, I have CS6. Um, on my laptop, I, I don't need that power. And you know, generally, I'm doing coding anyway. I just like the the you know sort of split view, um, WYSIWYG kind of thing where I can see what I'm what I'm hand coding. So I, I use CS4 um, at home. And he's like, well, you see, that's that's the problem is you're not buying the newest ones, and we still have to keep developing them. <laughs> it's like, okay, there there is that part of things. And will Microsoft yeah. do the same thing? Will this enable them and push them? To not just release every couple years a new productivity suite, but actually listen to their users. And when we're going, we need our spreadsheets to do this. And I'm sure you've got lists of things you would love if spreadsheets could do easily without having to, to generate the code to make them do it. We need our spreadsheets to do this, you know, build a plugin for it to do that because there's a lot of us needing to do that. You know, if they're responsive and they're doing that for us and they're actually providing us the service that warrants the cost, um, I can think of many advantages to it but but i agree i i don't necessarily see microsoft doing that so <laughs> we'll, we'll yeah see you know the the only counter i have to that is the more we tell them to make the software extremely easy for everyone to use the fewer jobs we'll get so stop <laughs> doing that stop helping them <laughs> darn you oh, wordpress I mean, uh, <laughs> sometimes i wonder where that rubicon is dave you know, we have we have uh, software that is threatening the job jobs of several different professionals, including lawyers and doctors. Mm-hmm. Like this is the kind of stuff that that 
our mothers and fathers said, be a lawyer or a doctor because like you'll be rich forever. Right. Um, you'll all, you'll always need lawyers and doctors until something comes along that's even better than a lawyer or a doctor at those tasks like right. software. So my advice to all doctors out there who are working with Microsoft, misinform them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everything's cancer these days. So why shouldn't every diagnostic diagnosis be cancer? Why not? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you bring up a good point. Fortunately, you know, for, for us, and, and we know we know better, and it's, it's our purpose to educate is we would know what to ask that software to do. <laughs> and therein is it. You can be left with six spreadsheets of data that you need to merge and, and pull something useful out of. I'd love for Microsoft made my spreadsheets work easier so I could go, here's how I want you to do that easily without me having to program it in. Um, you know, and probably have to look up half of it again anyway because it's been a year since I've done it. Um, but if you don't know to ask that question or to look for that data, you know, there, there you go. <laughs> yeah, well, bottom line, Microsoft has come, has come out with uh, Windows 10. Windows 10, pretty much, uh, to me, it seems to me at any rate, really changes Microsoft's relationship with their customers yep. um, and points a new direction for the corporation. Um, again, into this whole seamless service. Uh, that, that, that I think many of the tech companies are trying to move towards. I'm um, thinking like Google and their home appliance line through Nest. Um, was, it, was it just the other day that uh, Google's uh, chairman, Eric Schmidt, was suggesting that the internet as we know it is going to become invisible? It's going to disappear? Yeah. Yeah, it was. And, uh, yeah, I can't remember specifically when that was. Um, it was in Davos. It was last week. And um, the suggestion was that the internet is is doing so many things now. There are so many IP addresses out there, um, and they, they they proliferate with the with the creation of a new device or a new bot. Anything connected to the web has an IP address. Um, your fridge, your Nest device, your phone. Um, your computer, your laptop, etc., your car in some cases, that I think he was trying to riff off of future, the 1980s futurist Neil Postman when, you know, Postman talked about invisible technologies like your toaster. To your grandparents, a toaster was kind of newfangled, neato technology because, you know, you put two pieces of bread in, push it down, poof, toast comes up, right? Where did the bread go? Yeah. Yeah, but hey, <laughs> toast, who cares about the bread? We got toast. To me, the internet is still a new technology. It's new. It's whiz-bang. It's, I still get a thrill every, every morning when I go online, even though it's the environment I spend most of my time in and have for, like, the last 25 years. Right. The first, uh, the first 20 years of my life were in a world without an internet. So the internet is not an invisible technology to me. It's a very visible technology where the, the toaster I just take for granted, right? Right. And my kids take the internet for granted. Absolutely, is that for, thing. for for your your they're teens now, eh? Yeah, young teens. Poor dude. Fifteen and seventeen. One of them's graduating this year. Wow, <laughs> you hurt my head, Dave. Um, <laughs> for them, the internet is just life. That's it's just been there. Yeah. Um, they're the digital always generation. 
which is going to get old for the next generation because that won't make any sense to them at all, right? <laughs> no, that's And for true. them, the internet will be doing some, it'll be driving their car. It'll be um, guiding them to and from the dentist, telling them when they're supposed to be at the dentist. Yeah. Um, so that was Eric Schmidt talking this week, saying the internet is become, going to become so much a part of your life, you'll barely even notice it anymore because it'll just be like that. It'll just be like the voices in your head, except real. Well, you know what? And, and he's probably right. I mean, how often did uh, did Jean-Luc or, or Worf notice that the computer was there? They sure noticed when it broke, but they don't really notice it too much. It's just that thing that gives them what they want. Um, and, and you're right, and I think that's what he's saying is it will just be that thing that is everywhere doing everything for you. Um, and you'll only notice when it screws up. Now, the question I want to put in people's minds, and the one that I, I just keep asking myself, is as we make more and more, as we automate more and more job tasks, and even more and more professional tasks, we have a whole slew of extremely well-educated surplus people. And I'm, I'm really into the creative economy. I love the creative economy. Heck, I've made a living on the creative economy. <laughs> but mm -hmm. um, uh, how to say this? Um, um, there's no way to be polite about it. I'm just going to say it. There's not a lot of really creative people out there. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I shouldn't say that because everyone's really creative. But the product of the creativity is – but not everyone's going to be a rock star is what I'm saying. Right. Um, heck, not everyone's going to be a B, a B band. Um, and it, it, it actually, it, it's a huge worry I have from, from an economic standpoint where you have one small group of people making a whole bunch of money and a huge group of people who did all the right things, but they're kind of left out in the cold. That's the, that's the next thing we're going to be tackling in the uh, coming decade. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think we're going to be seeing the world that Google keeps talking about of like shorter days and that's the world they're producing for us. And they, you hear them spout that out every now and then because they're making the world easier so we won't need people to do as much. And it's like, yeah, that, that's not happening. <laughs> so because um, what employer is going to go, you know what, I'm going to pay twice as much for the same work I'm getting. None. Well, uh, you indeed. Know. Yeah. So yeah, there, therein is, is the rub there. But um, yeah, I suppose we'll we'll see as as things progress. And you know what? All of our listeners should stay tuned to to Webcology to keep up with it. Indeed. Okay. <laughs> one more thing before we go to break. One one really quick one. Last week there was a rumor story out there that IBM was about to lay off twenty six percent of its workforce, like you know one hundred and one hundred eleven thousand workers. Did you see that last week? I did. Yeah. I saw that and my stomach turned immediately thinking, oh, it's like consulting is easy enough like it is today, huh? Mm -hmm. Imagine when there's 111,000 unemployed techies out there. Um, there's going to be a whole bunch of new SEOs. That's what. <laughs> As it turns out, IBM is not laying off 26% of its workforce, not even close. IBM will be letting several thousand workers go. But if you go to the IBM uh, website right now and take a look, it has over 15,000 positions currently available. The reason I'm mentioning this is the 111,000 workers number. That's an absurd number of, uh, of suddenly unemployed techies. And I think everyone in the tech world saw that story and had this instant knot in their stomach going, oh, my God, really? Well, as it turns out, no. Um, 
IBM is not laying off 111,000 people, not happening, rumor story. But because of that rumor story, because of that rumor story, IBM's stock dropped. <laughs> they got punished for somebody else's BS. Or they got punished because it took them a couple of days to react to the story and to tamper it down. One or the other. Yeah, it could be either or. They should have come out faster. Or did they have to reevaluate and go, oh, look what just happened to our stock. Okay, we need to pare back the number of layoffs <laughs> we've got coming. Oops, people noticed. Maybe <laughs> we should do something. Okay, uh, we ought to do something. It's, uh, it's about uh, half past 20 past the hour. So we're going to have to take a break here on Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. On behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You listen to Webcology. It's the 29th of January, 2015, and we're going to be back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. ShipStation helps online retailers ship orders faster. It's so easy to set up and use. ShipStation gives you tools to automatically import, manage, and ship your orders in the most cost-efficient way. Save money with the best USPS rates possible, as well as a free USPS account. ShipStation integrates with all the most popular e-commerce platforms and shipping carriers. Get shipping done no matter where you sell or how you ship. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash Webmaster Radio now. Shipping Nirvana starts here. When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS, text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm, sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Deals. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. It's the 29th of January, 2015, and Dave, this, I think, is the cool story of the week. Looking forward to it. Yeah, this is the one that, that seriously, seriously, and I, I, honest to goodness, I saw it about five minutes before we went to air. It came out yesterday in uh, Search Engine Land. It was uh, written by Barry Schwartz. Surprise! Uh, <laughs> well, actually, this isn't from Search Engine Roundtable, so I don't know if it gets the trumpet noises or not. Because, I mean, it's the Search Engine Roundtable ones that always get trumpet noises out of us. But, okay. This might take a couple seconds of explanation. Dave, you remember 
years ago, this has got to be like 2004, maybe 2003, in that area, um, two very, uh, at the time, extremely well-known SEOs, one who went by the name Oil Man, the other went by the name Web Gorilla. They were originally the hosts of uh, SEO Rockstars here on Webmaster Radio, Todd Friesen, and uh, Greg Bozer had perfected a technique that they called IP masquerading. Google had a different name for it. They called it cloaking. <laughs> um, now, I'm, I'm way oversimplifying because uh, Todd and Greg weren't actually doing cloaking. But what they were doing was detecting the IP address of a website user and serving them either local or different national content, different language content, based on where their IP was from. Uh, in many ways, that's an acceptable thing to do today if you're using different uh, 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 URLs for those different um, nationalities. Mm -hmm. But you always ran the risk, when you were doing IP masquerading, you always ran the risk of Google perceiving it to be cloaking. Now, in Google's eyes, when a user sees something in a search result, that's exactly what they should expect to get to, what exactly what they should, um, the content they should be brought to. Cloaking was when you served one set of information to Google. So Google thought the site was about blue widgets, and you actually published a site about green jelly beans, but you made it look like a site about blue widgets. <laughs> So the search user and, and Google Google itself, Google would give a listing for a blue widget. Search user clicks on it, comes to a website about green jelly beans. Everyone's got a problem with this, except for the person who has the website about green jelly beans because they got more traffic. Right. <laughs> um, might be the most qualified traffic. Most, anyway, that was that's a very overly simplified uh, uh, definition of what Google saw as cloaking. Okay. Mm -hmm. As of now... Google now supports crawling and indexing local adaptive web pages. So say you have a client, a corporation that exists in, on uh, multiple continents and in areas where they speak a number of different languages. Mm -hmm. Off of the same IP, off the same website, you can now serve up content specifically tailored for the, the the language dialect, the region of the country, or even the uh, you know the 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 the, uh, the different city, you know, one set for Detroit, one set for Los Angeles. Google recommends you don't do this, but they will support it now under certain circumstances. Okay. Okay. Um. Google still suggests that you use different URLs and different top-level domains based on, you know, content going to different countries or in different languages. However, because Google is now um, crawling, it used to be that Google only had, like, a limited number of data centers. Now <laughs> there's... I don't, I don't think Google knows how many data centers it actually has anymore. <laughs> Um, somebody at Google must know because he, you know, he, they got to map them all. But Google has innumerable data centers now. They can they can crawl from any IP anywhere in the world. 
or I'm sorry, they can crawl from anywhere in the world. So they can crawl from Czechoslovakia, they can crawl or from the Czech Republic or from uh, Burkina Faso, as easy as they can crawl from uh, Silicon Valley. So Google's doing uh, geo geo distributed crawling. So it's going to use an IP address that you know appears to be coming from outside the U.S. and likely from the country of, of origin of your content. And Google is also able to understand several different languages now. So Google will start to crawl if um, you have what's called an accept language HTTP header in your request. And in the next commercial, you can believe I'm going to go look up what an accept language HTTP header is. <laughs> I've already just jotted it down while you were talking. <laughs> Excellent. So, well, um, sometime this afternoon, when you all get a chance, go check out Search Engine, uh, Search Engine Land. Barry Schwartz's article from yesterday, January 28th. Google now supports crawling and indexing local adaptive web pages. And again, I think this is amazing because this is something that they said don't do since you and I have been in the business, Dave. And now they're saying, okay, yeah, well, we can see it. Go for it. And good. I mean, yeah, and, and rightfully so. I mean, at the time, yeah, as you know, uh, they didn't have the technology to understand which was which here, mm-hmm. what's cloaking and and you know, what is a legitimate and user-friendly, um, you know, use of it. Um, you know, now their technology is caught up, um, letting us through. I can think, and I'm sure you can too, and I'm sure most of our listeners can, thousands of, of great examples where, you know, this makes a lot of sense. Like, let's just look at news sites, right? <laughs> so, you know, if I'm, you know, I'm sitting in Victoria right now, if I go to, um, you know, CNN.com and some of the news happens to relate to Victoria or BC or even Canada to extend it out further. Yet, does it make sense that they should be allowed to feed me um, some different information than somebody sitting in Mexico or Japan? Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, I think the biggest case that, um, that um, IP masquerading, quote unquote, or quote unquote cloaking ever came up in was with BMW in 2006 when Google just <laughs> removed them from the listings for doing pretty much exactly this. Now, I, uh, BMW was restored to the listings a couple of days later, so it was more of a uh, slap around than it was a penalty. But if it was a, a, a different website that wasn't so integral to the search result, BMW, then it likely wouldn't have gotten back in the index so quickly. Right. But again, they got they got knocked about for doing exactly this. Right, and now you're allowed. And now you're allowed. I think it's um, I don't know. I don't know. I got this weird halo around this story, thinking it's the super cool story of the week. You know. Okay, we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> um. What else we got here? What else we got here? You know what? We're talking about things Google is allowing to happen. Yeah. So maybe we should move this to things that Google allowed to happen and, in fact, gave um, away to to our fine friends at the NSA. (laughs) Oh, you want to go there, do you? Well, we're talking about Google giving stuff away. Um, (laughs) 
So it had uh, it had come out that uh, or uh, WikiLeaks. What uh, what date did this come out on? Uh, yeah, just uh, just a few days ago on January twenty sixth. Um, you know the story I'm talking about. Yep. Uh, WikiLeaks um, blasts Google for quietly handling uh, emails over to the government uh, about two and a half years ago. Um, Google handed uh, over a bunch of emails, and we're not sure what else they might have handed over um, to the government um, as it related to, um, you know, the the oh, oh, what's the acronym that was uh, that was used for that, Jim? It, it's escaping right now. Anyway, the the, the Snowden issues and, and stuff like that. Uh, anyways, they'd handed a, a bunch of uh, data over, a bunch of emails over, have only passed that over. Um, now or, or release now that they in fact did this. Um, obviously, I, you know, this was under government order. It wasn't like Google said, yeah. hey, you know, here's a bunch of emails you might be interested in. Um, it was under government order, um, but Google didn't reveal that until, you know, two and a half years later. I got to ask, is this something that they should be doing? I mean, the government's ordering you to. This is the, the law of the government that they're, that they're under. Um, or is the issue not that they handed the emails over because, hey, yeah, the government ordered you to, right? Like that's – you got to do what you got to do. Um, or, or was this a case – you know, or is the bigger issue here um, that it took them so long and, and what should they have done? I got to tell you, from, from a journalistic perspective, this is a very difficult story to cover. The, Pat- the Patriot Act says – that in matters of national security, the NSA has the right to um, electronic communications, including emails, warrantlessly. They have the right to go get them in event of national security. Okay, so they've got that little in event of national security provision. Now, if you remember around... The uh, this this happened back in 2012. And if you remember around that time, this is this is um, when the U.S. government is going after Julian Assange, Hammer and Tong. And it's also the same time that Edward Snowden appears, saying, uh, "Hey guys, I have this treasure trove of data that I'm releasing bit by bit by bit." From the U.S. government's perspective, and I'm not saying that 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 what Google did is right or wrong, or that the Patriot Act is right or wrong, or the government's request was right or wrong. I'm not not commenting on any of that. But from the U.S. government's perspective, a bunch of nationals, a bunch of information that's vital to national security is floating out there. No, to this day, we don't know what's in the full Snowden file. You know? Right. Um, It's being released bit by bit by bit, including the fun stuff about uh, Canada's CSEC service that we'll touch on later. So, the Patriot Act gives the Department of Homeland Security and the NSA the right to go snooping inside of what one would consider a protected communication in the event of a national security emergency. Again, define national security emergency, one of the problems with with such laws. Under normal circumstances if anything can be normal after the passing of the Patriot Act, under normal circumstances, they would require um, judicial oversight, not necessarily a warrant, but they would have to have a judge nod his or her head and say, yeah, go for it. And they would only get the what's called the header information. Who sent it? Who it was sent to? Who it came from? 
um, the time it was sent, um, and the string, the the path string, where it went from and how it bounced around and stuff. They'd have access to that, but they wouldn't have access to the content of the message itself under normal circumstances. Mm-hmm. Another part of the Patriot Act says that when the acronyms, Department of Homeland Security or the CIA or the NSA or whatever, when they come visiting, you're not allowed to talk about it. There are ISPs across the United States that have given information to the government and they're not allowed to talk about it by law. Right. Um, What was that email service in Texas that actually shut itself down because there was no way it could operate and not comply with the law. So rather than break the law, he just shut down his entire business. Um, Most business people, internet service providers and Googles, etc., aren't in a position to just shut down in the face of um, what I think many reasonable people people would see government overreach. Um, so again, as a, as a journalist, this is a hard story to cover because I see why Google did what they had to do. I also understand Google tried to fight it, but we're, un, we're you know, ultimately unsuccessful fighting it. Um, and the only reason we know that Google gave this information away is because Google hasn't said anything about it, but because it was in the treasure trove of the Snowden documents. So how do you cover this exactly? Who's verifying what? Right. Right. I mean, you, you bring up many good points. It is a tough question because, you know, I pay my taxes. Why do I pay my taxes? Because the government makes me. (laughs) And because there's consequences if I don't. And you're right. Google's in a, it was in a similar spot where, Oh, not, not that Google actually pays its taxes, but that's another story altogether, <laughs> they, isn't it? They pay less than I do in taxes, but, <laughs> um, you know, even what they do pay is is only because, you know, <laughs> they, well, they got – Also because they, they like having up. roads and, you know, protection and such. <laughs> it's a handy thing to have. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you bring up many, many good points, and, and it, it is food for thought. And maybe something that we shouldn't be looking at Google about, and, and you've got me thinking along this line, so thank you, Jim. But something that maybe we need to be looking at legislation about, add um, the right of, of an entity or of a government body to do that without, you know, the ability for, well, for the company being asked um, to, to let the person know, even if it's in hindsight, like immediately, okay, now you know. <laughs> I've done this, now you know. Let's look at something else that came out of the Snowden documents this week. Canada, an arm of Canada's spy agency is called CSEC. They're kind of like Canada's uh, NSA, okay? Mm-hmm. They're the ones who monitor all electronic communications, almost certainly including this one, as it's a cross-border electronic communication. Um, but they were um, the five major English-speaking nations in the world, the UK, Canada, the United States, Australia, and New Zealand. They're called the Five Eyes. They have a joint uh, electronic security pact. And under that security pact, each nation has different areas of responsibility. It's impossible even for the American government to cover the entire Internet. But what if they had four other governments working with them? You know what I mean? Right. Um, So Canada, CSEC, part of their responsibilities, according to the Snowden documents, 
is to cover all the um, file sharing websites like Mega Uploads or uh, torrent sites or whatever. Okay, like any, anywhere that that people might be exchanging really large files more often than not, movies and television shows. Right. So. Stands to reason if people are transferring large files in uh, all around the world and there's not a heck of a lot of oversight in those files being transferred, it stands to reason that, you know, if if the kid down the hall knows that he or she can get pirated TV off of these, that the terrorists know that they can exchange information fairly freely across these networks as well. Right. Instruction manuals, orders... um, uh, jihadist videos, etc. So it was Canada's responsibility to monitor all of these uh, file transfer places. You know, and I'm talking like places like Mega Uploads. As it turns out, after three years of surveillance, according to the Snowden files, we've had two verifiable hits where, you know, this was jihadi material mm-hmm. out of hundreds of thousands of files most of which were um, apparently Glee episodes. <laughs> or at least it was a couple months where the intercepts that Snowden has released were, you know, the Swahili's talk amongst each other. The Canadians were complaining about having to go through all these Glee episodes. <laughs> Your tax dollars at work, dude. <laughs> oh, that makes me sad. <laughs> it's a reality. Um, so... The war on terror, I mean, uh, this is more like the war on tenors, I think. Um, it's laughable in many ways. It's totally understandable why the governments feel they got to do what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to be the one who didn't. Right. Take George Bush Jr., for instance. Eh? Apparently, he'd been warned all, all summer long that something bad was going to happen soon. You don't want to be that guy. Right. And look at the overreaction that happened because he was that guy. Um, at the same time, and so again, I see why the governments are doing what they're doing. I tend, in my little uh, terrified worldview, I tend towards security as well. You know, I understand that. I get security. Um, but I'm also, personally, and I, I think you are as well, Dave, um, I very strongly believe in Western values, and one of the core Western values is privacy of person. Um, I know. It's a catch-22. I I don't know the answer to it. Honestly, I don't. I think the governments are way overstepping. I think that they're concentrating on the wrong things. But I am an armchair critic commentator. You know? What the hell do I know? Right. Um, (laughs) I do know that I don't want my tax dollars to be spent having our spies watching Glee. I know that much. (laughs) Okay. We got to take another break here on Webcology. We're uh, we're cruising into quarter to the hour. So on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet, Mar- Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You listen to Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm on the 29th of January, 2015. Stick around. We're back after these messages. It's tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat. 
by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com InternetMarketingINC.com is one of the fastest-growing full-service digital marketing agencies in the country, specializing in providing results-driven online marketing solutions. Internet Marketing Inc.'s passionate team prides themselves on staying ahead of marketing trends to create and implement campaigns that get more traffic to your website, gain positive brand awareness, and drive conversions. If you are looking for a data-driven approach to online marketing and advertising, call Internet Marketing Inc. today at 866-563-0620 or visit internetmarketinginc.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. It's the 29th of January, 2015. And uh, I got some sad news, Dave. Oh, I don't like that. Well... Well, it's not really sad. It's more funny than anything else, but it is kind of sad. You've, um, you've, you, you spend a lot of time flying. You've spent yeah. a lot of time in your career flying, right? Yeah. You know, there was a, there was this time where, where I was on the road for two weeks out of every month, and I think I spent about three weeks out of one year traveling, like just, just in airports or airplanes. Yes. Three weeks of my life in airports or airplanes. That was that was my busiest year, and while in those airplanes, I always had something absurd to read beyond the novels that I brought or reports I was writing for my clients, mm-hmm. and that was the Sky Mall catalog. <laughs> We've all been there. I mean, there was products in there. Where else could you get a genuine Naga Hyde-covered Bigfoot footstool but the Sky Mall catalog? Yeah. Or a, golden, a gold-plated jet ski. Sky Mall catalog. Well, for whatever reason, I guess, you know, consumers in, uh, in the age of e-commerce, they weren't buying the um, guaranteed Naga Hyde-covered Bigfoot um, footstool or the gold-plated jet ski because um, Sky Mall's going out of business. Hmm. You, you know what the to- problem is, is they started giving me uh, Wi-Fi on the plane. <laughs> And so I could just look up what I wanted to buy if I wanted to buy something. And you could actually verify by using the internet that Bigfoots are not made of Naga hide. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, see, I, that, 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 that time where I spent all that time flying, they weren't allowing Wi-Fi on airplanes just yet. And so I had the choice between my novel, the report I was writing for whatever client – 
the SkyMall catalog or the airline catalog. So naturally, SkyMall was the silliest of all, right? I had to go there. Anyway, SkyMall is gone. All the all you road warriors, um, bring a good book because the funniest thing on the plane, besides the guy sitting next to you, it's no longer there. Uh, it's a shame. I guess we'll all just have to watch the TVs that are on the back of every seat now. Oh, and also watch for the liquidators because that's got a lot of Naga Hyde Bigfoot footstools <laughs> up there. That's got to go to some home somewhere. It's not like IKEA sells them. Um, <laughs> And you might be able to get a gold-plated jet ski for the price of a regular jet ski. That's right. <laughs> okay. Moving along to stuff that Google's doing. It's weird we keep talking about this company called Google. I know. It's crazy. Well, crazier, perhaps. I, I, I think they're here to stay. But what's crazier? Well, are they or aren't they? Because you see a business uh, – you've heard me say this before. The only enemy Google really has, the only one who can really hurt Google is Google. Right. Um, they're the only ones who can really screw over their own business. And I don't know if this is a smart thing or not a smart thing, but Google is getting into the cell phone service provision business. They're mm-hmm. about to become a, a, a carrier. Yeah. Now, I want people to hearken back to the time when Google was buying all those remnant radio ads and they were be- going to become the radio ad distribution service. I didn't work out. <laughs> and, and in fact, Google got into this market, knocked a whole bunch of existing businesses out of the market, and then failed at it. <laughs> it's true. Just Leaving a vacuum like, you know, behind. Just, yeah. Just like Target up in Canada. But, you know, <laughs> it's true. It, it is happened. True. I can't help it. It happened that way. So I'm worried about this, too. Google's about to come in. I mean, I use an Android device and I love it. And I, I, I like being synced into my little googly world through my Android device. Yeah. Um, not so sure I really want Google being my phone carrier as much as I, as much as, you know, I'm, I wanted to do the Google Fiber story. We might still be able to still have time to cover that too. There's four new towns in America about to be hit by Google Fiber. The problem is, what if Google screws it up? Because, I mean, Google's great at search and they're great at like matching up little, little ads with the context of content. Mm-hmm. But everything else they've touched has turned to um, copper. Right. Yeah, so what happens if you're in a contract and, hey, <laughs> it's not quite working out for you. Now, here's a perk. And, again, I'm, I'm going the privacy route here, which is funny because if we'd been talking uh, uh, two, three years ago, you'd have been the one focusing on the privacy side. But through this show specifically, <laughs> I know privacy is still a big thing to you, but I keep – it's, it's like my wheel. Weird, right isn't there. it, eh? Uh, <laughs> but on this one, I, I have to look and go, okay. And, and I mean, I get why they're doing it, of course. I mean, A, it's a service they can charge for, and diversity is security. So good call if it works out for them. Uh, I, as a user, you know, you have your phone settings, and you know what you're willing to share with Google, and you know what you're not. But the fact is you're sharing everything with your provider. Right? They, they, they know everything. All your ones and zeros are traveling through them. So that's that's happening. Uh, so there's a certain element on my end that would go, well, I guess since Google already, I already have an Android phone. They already have 80% probably of what I'm doing right? because they, they know this. And yes, I turn off certain settings and on as I, as I need them. I know to do that, like location. I don't always give it to them, but I give it to them enough that they know. So if I'm giving it away to somebody, well, 
I guess it might as well be Google again, because then at least it's just one company. It's not Google and <laughs> have my data. <laughs> it's just one. It's Google. Um, you know, so I, I suppose there is that angle that, uh, the, that you could be looking at from it. I wish them luck on it. I think it makes a, a more natural extension than trying to go, as you'd called it rightfully, going in, like moving outside their zone into more traditional marketing like radio. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is more in their wheelhouse. They're already familiar with phones. They're already familiar with the internet. They're already familiar with the way these things all interact with each other because they're already on the other two ends of it. They're just trying to grab the middle part now. Um, oh, by so, the way, listeners, that means you. You're the one in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there I was thinking of they're providing the site you're going to. They're, they're providing the phone you're doing it with. They're just trying to be the bridge now, the, the carrier that's actually delivering those ones and zeros from well, where you know, you're going to where you are. Interesting you should phrase it that way, Dave. This is probably the last story we're going to get to cover, and it's right on the same lines. Currently, if you live in Kansas City or Austin, Texas or Provo, Utah, you are getting – or at least you have access to lightning-fast internet because Google Fiber exists in those three cities. But if you're very, 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 very lucky and you live in Atlanta, Charlotte, Nashville, and Raleigh-Durham in North Carolina, you too will have access to Google Fiber because that's the next cities that Google Fiber is rolling out in. What do you think? Would you get it? Absolutely. Without thought, without thinking twice. Hey. <laughs> The price point in America is $70 a month, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm paying 120 a month for Rogers service. That's not even a quarter as fast as Google Fiber. Right. Well, there is that. <laughs> I'm sorry, not even a quarter. I'm sorry, not even 25, not even 125th as fast as Google Fiber. I'm paying 120 a month some odd for it. So, yes, I would jump all over Google Fiber if it were to come to Canada. <laughs> if it came to Canada 150 a month, I'd still be all over it. Right. But for the for the for the what you're getting per dollar that you're spending, absolutely. Now, it doesn't look like it's coming to Canada. No, no Canadian dots on this map I'm looking at. But I am looking. <coughs> if you live in Phoenix, Salt Lake City, San Antonio, San Jose, or Portland, Oregon, Google is currently talking to your state and local governments, <coughs> and that's kind of amazing. Excuse me for a moment. <coughs> Remnants of the flu. Don't die, um, Jim. So yeah, Google Google Fiber is moving into those markets, but Google is most certainly, without question, Atlanta, Charlotte, Nashville, and Riley Durham. I know for, there's a there's a great little tech community in uh, in in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. So this, I think this is amazing. Would you Would you grab Google Fiber? I would. Yeah, like you. I, I would in a heartbeat. And a lot of it, based on, on my exact same cell phone sort of premise, is like most of the information I'm going to starts at Google anyway. So if I'm giving my data away to somebody, might as well, be well keep it all in one place. It's easier, <laughs> easier to uh, find that way. Yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, there'd be certain disadvantages, and I may end up having to have two internet connections, but I already do for redundancy anyway. So there we are. <laughs> okay. And I think. That must be butting us right up against the time clock there. Yeah, Brasco's going to start playing that music. 
I got the two minute warning two minutes ago, so I'm pretty sure we're there. Um, <laughs> there it is, the hook. Friends, you've been listening to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. On behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. We are going to be back here live next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Meanwhile, you can look for us in, well, iTunes, Clear Channel's iHeartRadio, or any other fine podcast distribution service. Friends, stay tuned. There's great content coming up on Webmaster Radio after the news. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.